Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and this is a bonus podcast for all of you regular iTunes subscribers. You may be noticing an extra show that you didn't anticipate, and that's because scheduling problems have not really problems, but just scheduling issues. Uh, made me want to add this additional show. Today we have a great guest, Kelly Nelson, who's been on before. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about the show. Kelly was on, has been on when she did her first therapy guide for um, my new kind of sister website, myeit.com, and Kelly came on and did a great show about sensory bottles. And she has a darling Facebook page called Playing is Learning where she shares all kinds of good stuff. And she wrote a super post about back to school and gave some great advice for parents who are perhaps sending their young child to preschool for the very first time. And I thought the tips were so great that I emailed her at the day or so after I read it and said, hey, Kelly, when can you be on the podcast? I'd like to do it. But then I remembered that I already had guests pretty much booked now through the end of September, and I didn't want to have this show be so long into the school year. And then, Kelly, I think you were taking a vacation or something like that. Yes, I did. So we had these scheduling challenges, and so rather than put it off, I decided, well, Let's just go ahead and kind of do a midweek bonus podcast so that we could get this in. Now, if you live in the South or in the Midwest, your child has probably already started school since it's August 22nd. But for our East Coast and West Coast listeners, they traditionally start, uh, and I guess those Northern states too, after Labor Day. So I'm hoping that by going ahead and getting this show in there that we can Get parents whose children have already started that may be struggling with getting a routine going and struggling with some of those really um, first few weeks of school and then head off any problems for our uh, moms and dads who have children who are getting ready to start in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited about this show. (coughs) Excuse me. And I'm so glad that Kelly and I could squeeze it in and get it done. So, Kelly, what have you been up to besides writing all these wonderful back-to-school tips. Anything exciting going on in your life that you want to share? I don't know why I'm asking that, but I'll just say it anyway. Well, you know, I've been getting everybody ready to go back to school. It kind of fits right exactly what we're going to talk about because my um, my oldest three just started school last week. Um, so, and I uh-huh. sent my n- number three off to kindergarten for the first time, which was, well, oh. it, you know, you would think by the third that it would be easier, but it wasn't. I still cried. <laughs> it was so mm-hmm. hard leaving him. So, but he's doing great. Because I still think I of him as your baby. And you have a baby after him, but I still think of him that way. I know. I still think, you know, because my kid, there's between my oldest two are just two and a half years apart. Then there's a three and a half year gap before the two little boys. And so it's always been the big kids and the little boys. And I'm like, oh, but one of the little boys is going to school. He's a big boy now. So it's it's been a little transition. 
and transition for um, my three-year-old because he is home all by himself or it's Gigi's all by himself <laughs> who watches him when I'm working. And he's, he's had a little bit of a, a transition to be – in some ways he likes it. He likes being the, the, the only one here. I think he likes wow. individual attention. So, you know, and lots of preschools do not start, even in this area, till after Labor Day. So I'm getting him right. prepared for preschool. He's starting a new class, not till after um, after Labor Day. So there are, I think, there are, are many of them that start after the regular, the older kids start. So I've been using some of these ideas for him. Well, that is good. And I had a little guy today that in a public school um preschool last week so his mom and I were able to kind of talk about some of the challenges that they've had and I've seen you know with my I call them my local kids because they're not my out-of-state families who are kind of coming in for the first time or coming back for a recheck you know at three months or six months or whatever but my little guys that I see a lot that are that live in uh, Louisville and the kind of surrounding southern Indiana and I have a couple families that come from Cincinnati and Central Kentucky, and a lot of those little guys are transitioning into the public school preschool program. And lots of, and this is this is one thing I want to say too. Lots of families don't have that option in states. We have family in this week from Louisiana, and she was talking about how even though public school uh, preschool is offered in their state, it's not something that a lot of families even choose to do. And so she's sending her little guy into a private little program which sometimes can be for whatever family situation better or worse for a transition Mm -hmm. so the tips that we're going to be talking about today I think really are going to be great for whatever setting um go ahead you know, it's actually, it's, it's scarier to you if your child um, has some delays. And so there's just some right. added concerns that you have there. And sometimes it can make the transition a little bit more difficult, you know, if they're not quite, um, you know, they're they're not communicating. And you know that they're not going to be able to tell the teacher yeah. why they're upset. And they're not going to know their special little sign that they've created saying that they, saying what they're thirsty right. or something like that. So, so exactly. there's, some, there's some added stress. When your when your child is um, has some delays, I think so too. And the number one thing is, parents will always say, "How am I going to know if it's not going well?" Because he's not able to talk to me. He's not able to tell me if something horrible happens at school. How am I going to know? And let me just say, that's every parent's fear. Even if you're sending a typically developing child to school, even at kindergarten or first grade, you don't always get good information, even from children Mm -hmm. who have no delays. Have you seen that with your own kids, Kelly, that you'll say, what did you do at school today or what happened? And you may get bits and pieces, but I just remember from my own children, I never really got the full picture, and I try to share that with parents, but they, it's difficult for them to hear and kind of accept that because they have that added concerned with, well, guess what? He's not talking at all. So don't don't give mm-hmm. me that story about your your kindergartner couldn't tell you. I'm talking about my three year old here who's, you know, minimally verbal. So there is a big fear factor there with sending our little guys away for the yeah, first time. Isn't. And we get that. Yeah. We totally get that. And we've talked a lot of parents through this process. And when Kelly and I first started working together 
we did a little, I had a playgroup program, and it's a language-based playgroup program for children in uh, Kentucky's early intervention system at that time. And Kelly, we worked together every day, and we had two-year-olds who, for the most part, it was their very first experience being in a group program away from mom, and we had a lot of kids with separation issues, and some mommies with separation issues, too. So we worked together in that program in that setting, so that's another reason that I wanted Kelly to come on and give us not only her wonderful tips that she uh, has on her great Facebook page, and again, if you're not following that, you need to do that, especially if you are a developmental interventionist or special instructor or preschool teacher or whatever they call you in your state, and her give give the name of your page, Kelly, and your kind of information. It's playing is learning, and then um, then there's a colon, Kelly Nelson. Someone had my name in there, too. Somebody searched for yeah. under my name. But playing is learning, Kelly Nelson. Yeah, and it's a really cute page. I love the stuff that you post. All right, so back the end of July, July 31st, you wrote this great post, and that's what we're going to kind of use as our script today, as our outline, because goodness knows what we'll talk about if we don't have a plan. So, oh, I <laughs> have added stuff that I thought, oh, I should have put this and that and this in there, but so Good. I already have stuff. <laughs> All right, so let's get going. What do you think you're, and again, I love how you kind of summarize that at the beginning where you're saying it, you know, it's like a roller coaster when you send your babies to school for the first time. And I think that was a great analogy. It's it's exciting, but it, as we've already talked about, it's pretty terrifying, you know, for that, especially yeah. when it's your first child. Yeah, or even when it's your, like you just pointed out, with your third one, it's a big deal. Well, and, you know, each child has their own little things that you worry about. My Eli is not real. He can be very, very quiet and not talk. And I'm not, and <laughs> at home he talks like crazy. But so I'm I'm concerned. I'm like, is he participating? You can, is he, if he needs something, is he going to ask for help and things like that? Whereas my other kids, I didn't have that worry. There was other things with them. So with each child, right. there's, there's different concerns. So. Yeah, and I do think you're right in that individual piece, and especially for parents who are listening that that have picky eaters, that's kind of a Mm -hmm. concern because you think, is she going to put a bite of food in her mouth from the time she leaves me until whatever time she gets home, and that can be scary. Or parents who have children with food allergies or parents Mm -hmm. who have children who were not mobile, or the whole potty train piece, and they think, oh, my goodness, how is that going to be handled? So lots and lots of very real concerns and real um, issues that you kind of have to work out. But we're going to talk about those little things, too, but you're going to start with just some basic recommendations, Kelly. So kind of take it away with what your, um, your tips were. Okay. Well, I think almost all preschools in um, will will have a little visit the classroom type time that they come before the kids are actually staying without mommy and daddy. They can actually come and um, check out the classroom, meet their teacher. Um, and in our in our um, public schools, I think the teacher even comes and does a little home visit. Well, so they'll get the right. visit of the class, but the teacher also gets to come to the home, which is a good time to share your concerns and you know specifics about your child. But when you go to that home visit, 
you know, prepare your your child as much as possible. You're excited, um, but you don't want to overwhelm. It's uh, with all of these tips. I think that is really a balance that you have to kind of watch your child's reaction. You know, if they're you might be getting really really excited and talking about it a whole lot, and it may be a little overwhelming to them. So just kind of like to be excited. Um, when you take them there, um, you know, just allow them to explore kind of at their own pace because, you know, if you're pushing them, to, oh, come look at this. No, come look at this. Oh, do you want to look at this friend? Can you go play with this friend? And maybe you brought grandmas wanted to come to see because it's exciting. It's their first day at school, and they've got mom and grandma and dad, and everybody's all excited that maybe just a little much for them. So just to back it's off. overwhelming. Yeah, it can be totally overwhelming. And I remember feeling that way, you know, and I always think about any time I talk about sensory issues, boy, you know, my own are really exaggerated. But I kind of feel like that sometimes when I'm going into the new environment and it's loud and it's unfamiliar. And it can go from being exciting to overstimulating in about, oh, two seconds. And that's really... Mm -hmm important to remember for our little guys that have struggled with um, their own kind of those fragile sensory processing systems, and it can be really Mm -hmm. easy, especially if mommy's in your face going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, and we we have a tendency to kind of do that because we want our kids to be excited and love school and have an easy transition, but we can really push them over the edge before we even realize what we're doing, so I think that's great. Right and our, and our, yes, our excitement is, is definitely, you know, it, it's with good intention, but we just kind of have to watch watch them. You know, you can look, you can point things out to them. Oh, look, do you see that they have blocks? Look at those blocks. Those are pretty cool. Oh, do you see that the, the dollhouse? And look at all of this. If you wanna, do you want to go play with something? If they say no, respect that. Don't force them because yeah. um, that's just going to, you know, we don't, we, we don't, they don't want to be forced into doing something. You don't want a bad feeling to be associated with the first time they go into this classroom. Um, And hopefully they will start to explore and kind of look around. Um, I wouldn't expect, you know, there may be some super social little ones who come in to the classroom with them and they start talking to them and maybe trying to interact. If your child doesn't do that, it's okay. Um, Some children are just, whether it's because they have a delay, a social delay or a language delay, or if it's just because they're they're just a takes them a little bit longer just to warm up and feel comfortable enough to talk, and that's okay. So just kind of, you know, let them set the pace, and um, hopefully they will um, see something that grabs their interest and they want to. They probably won't talk to their teacher. I see all the, oh, walk up, say, this is your teacher. Can you say hi? <laughs> and you, can you tell her, you know, and, oh, have them perform for the teachers. Oh, can you tell her you know your phone number? Or you can count children. How you can count? Oh, what color is this? They don't need to, the teacher's going to figure all that out. <laughs> it's just a time that they can kind of see the face and and recognize, okay, this is teacher. This is what teacher looks like. That's the only, you know, that's the only purpose of this right now is to for them well, just to kind of look. Yeah, and for lots of our little guys, that's a brand new word. They have no mm-hmm. clue what you're talking about when you. And I don't say that disrespectfully, but teacher is a new word. So when you've even say, mm-hmm. "Let's go meet your teacher. Let's see your teacher." Again, they may may have never had a point of reference 
for that mm-hmm. word. So hearing that, exactly. I think working on the teacher's name is huge. So you can say, you know, you're going to go see Mrs. So-and-so, um, you know, for, however your school does it so that there's an introduction there. And, again, it might make it a little less, I mean, it's still going to be abstract until your child actually meets and recognizes and gets to know the teacher. But I think that that's something that parents forget about, that that word is probably due to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always recommend taking a camera and taking pictures. So you can take a picture yeah. of the teacher. You can take a picture of your child sitting at the table. Take a picture of some of the different toys, especially ones you know that they are, maybe they don't play with them that first day when they're just going in to, to see the classroom, but something that you know would probably be an interest to them. Um, you may, you know, take a picture of where the back, the picture of the door of the bathroom or just some things that you think would be, that they would be good for them to take a look at later on. And then you can put those, um, make a little picture album from them, make a little book. You can be, I mean, I've, we just stick them in a little plastic, um, cheapy little um, thing from Dollar Tree. I'm sure there are some people. You could go on Pinterest and probably print something much, much cooler than that. <laughs> you don't have to. You just – and. Um, or you could even put like on a piece of construction paper and maybe even, you that, know, yeah. write a little story. Write a little story. That's, you know, this is my school. This is my teacher. And you could kind of read those same little things, keeping it very, very simple, and they can look at the picture. So then they can, you know, they that will kind of spark their memory. So when you say, oh, look, this is your school, uh, take a picture of the outside of the school. If you, um, you know, drive by the school, um, luckily my 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 three-year-old, he went to preschool at the same school last year for Mother's Day out. And he gets excited when we drive by his school. He knows where the turn is now. Oh, we're going to go by my school. Um, And so they learn that. And so, you know, make a a point to drive by the school and say, oh, look, there's your school. You know, we can see the playground when we drive by um, our preschool. So, oh, look, there's the playground. You love that playground. Um, And so that, you know, you're just kind of bringing it up, bringing it to their memory um, a, a few times. And so then you get that little book, read it every day, can look at it. Hopefully they can start pointing to somebody. Oh, where are the blocks? Oh, you loved that. And, you know, where, oh, where are the books? Do you see the books? And things like that. So you can just kind of look at those pictures, um, make up your own little stories to go along and just to explain, remind them all of the different things that they see in the classroom. Um, but if you start talking too much about it, it may be overwhelming, like we have said before, yeah. that balance, we don't want to overwhelm them. And, you know, if you start to say school and they go and they get upset, they cry or they say no school or something like that, you know that you've yeah. probably gone overboard. <laughs> I know. And that is Again. so easy to do. It is so easy to do. Our, my, our youngest child, um, Macy, is now 17, and her and she's a senior, which, oh, boy, that has its own set of anxiety issues that we're not going to talk oh, about today. <laughs> I know. So, but she really had a hard time with separation anxiety when she was two. And then by the time she got to preschool, she was a little bit over that. But she, so we really made it a big point to take her to church and so every time we would drive by our church her very first two-word phrase at 15 months was no church and she would say (laughs) at 
every time. I mean, we would get in the car, and she would start screaming, no church, no church, no church. Oh. And that can really be disconcerting to mm-hmm. a mom. And you start to kind of second-guess your choices and think, should I leave her there? Is something going on that I don't know about? You know, all of you, know, the, those kinds of very natural fears can kind of get magnified. So if you start to feel... Excuse me. Feel that happening. I think your your first suggestion to not make it as big a deal is really mm-hmm. good. Uh, good first step with that. And the other thing we had to do for her, and again, this is a, you know an extra activity. She didn't have to go to church. It's not like going to school, but really talking with the teachers and letting them know, hey, she is pretty darn anxious about this, mm-hmm. and we started to hear some. You know, her really verbalizing that, and that, you know, makes me a little concerned about this transition, just so that the teachers know there's there's been a little bit of negativity here, and we need to do everything we can to help this be a really positive experience from the beginning. Yes, definitely, definitely. And, and communication with the teacher, too, especially after this initial starting of school, if things come up, and I've I've, this is a little maybe premature, but do you remember in when we were doing play group about how some kids, they would transition just beautifully the first maybe week or two that yeah. they came. But then yeah. I can't remember what week it is. We kind of had it pinned down. I think it was week three yeah. or week four or something. That's when they would start having meltdowns and having difficulty yeah. with separating. It was like the, the novelness of the situation had worn <laughs> off and the realization that, oh, my mom is really going to leave me here. Um, and right. then that was when we had problems. And so we were able to start preparing um, <laughs> parents. And I, I still do that and prepare parents, you know what, it may go smoothly the first week or two, but, yeah, yeah exactly. but it could. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, you do start to worry. Is it, oh, they just don't like school. They liked school. What's happened? You know, what has happened that has made them not like school all the time, all of a sudden? And I don't think it's usually, it's not that something bad has happened to cause that. It's right. usually just, um, you know, a natural thing, just, you know, um, just an, an emotional, a social kind of response that they're having, that they're realizing now, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't quite I as know. new, and um, yeah. mom is going to leave me so it's it's good to kind I of remember know that, that happening happen. yeah and I do remember that happening this play group and you're right it wasn't even sometimes the first couple of weeks and so it does catch a parent off guard when it happens because you do kind of get lulled into well this went better than I thought and then all of a sudden the tears start and you might start to hear some again you know some kind of negativity but it is something that happens with lots and lots of children because being in a new environment and, and having that transition happen, and it's not like a birthday party or, again, you know, church or something that doesn't happen very often, even once a week compared to three times a week or four times a week or however often your child goes. It's more frequent, so you may hear things that you've never heard about, you know, uh, if your child has gone to a mommy and me little gymnastics class or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not necessarily something to become overly alarmed about. It's usually, like you said, just the novelty's worn off, but it's still the reality setting in that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be here a long time, what feels like a long time, without my mom. And mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. is kind of kind of a big deal. So, 
you have to kind of yeah. prepare for that yeah. and know it may not happen. When I have kids come in now from, uh, you know, for out-of-state evaluations, I always warn parents the first day or the second day may go, okay, but by that third day or fourth day or if they've stayed five days, oh, gosh, I'm dying by the fifth day. But <laughs> it's harder because they yeah. know, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, so you can't always base that experience or, you know, don't get lulled into we may not have an issue here. But the truth is a lot of toddlers transition beautifully, and sometimes the moms made a bigger deal out of mm-hmm. leaving, and I know you're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but the mom might have caused more anxiety or even the mom might feel more anxiety than her or negativity than her child ever gets on. So you have to really yep. get your own emotions with that. And we're going to talk about that. I've jumped ahead. Now, I don't want to jump ahead of your your outline, but sometimes really as parents we can, and we've talked about this, we can over overwhelm a kid or what's going mm-hmm. on. It's really more about us than the child. So we'll get to that in a minute. Keep going, Kelly. Yep. We've already said we're not going to talk too much and not going to upset our kids. Yes, um, and, you know, and you can still uh, yes. Go ahead. Okay, and you can still just point out several things. No, that's okay. We can just talk over each other. No big deal. <laughs> this is real life, and we're in real life. This exactly. is how it looks face to face, too. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> you get two people that like to talk a lot. It's bound to happen. Oh, well, but, you know, some other suggestions that you can do at home beforehand, you know, doing the little book, doing driving by the school. Um, you can point out other children going to school if, you know, they happen, like we said, sometimes older kids start before the preschoolers. You can, you can watch, they can watch the older kids. Like, they're going to school. And so that you can start, you know, putting some meaning to that word school. Um, and then there are lots of cute little books out. Um, I don't know if mm-hmm. very many of them are really, um, really made for toddlers and especially children with delays. Usually they have more longer paragraphs per page to yeah. them. There may be some good ones. Yeah. I haven't really looked in a while. So there may be some either. good ones. But you can look you can look at the pictures. That's what I always tell parents. Just because what's written on there is printed on that page, that's not what you have to say when you read that to your child. You can look at right. the pictures and look at the little boy. He's going to school. See, he's sitting at a table. Look, he's eating. You can just make up your own little story that's really simple, just a sentence or two per page and just kind of narrate the pictures so that you can sort of get them to, to say, okay, this is what school is, is all about. Out. Um, right. I'm excited by getting them a new backpack or the new lunchbox if they're going to be taking their lunch, and that can be really exciting um, for kids. And they can practice wearing their backpack around the house, and, mm-hmm. and, and they really do. They can that can get them excited about it. Um, and then you know something that I pulled out actually from my son today that I forgot that we had um, as I was thinking, oh, we need to I need to go through our toys and kind of get some new things out is that I have a little Fisher Price, the little people, it's a school. Um, and I looked on mm-hmm. Amazon. I do not think they have this exact same one except for like $300 because it's not made anymore. Oh. So I would not recommend spending $300 <laughs> on it, but there are several different versions. Um, but it has like a little schoolhouse with a mat. And I pulled out some little people, a little table and some little chairs. And then and Silas said, oh, I need a boss. 
because he has seen his big brothers and sister ride a bus. So we got a bus out. So he is, his little people have been going to school. Um, so you can kind of use those as representations of yeah. school too. Have sitting at a table riding a bus, um, things like that. Have a this is the teacher. Get one of the little people that looks kind of like mommy or the and say this is the teacher. And these are the kids. They're sitting. You know, they're sitting. Look, there's the teacher. He's going to read a book. You can kind of do some pretend play with those types mm-hmm. of things, and or just to just to kind of still kind of get those words, some understanding behind right. those words, and and everything. Um, next up I had was setting the routine. If you know what the school routine is, meaning what time you're going to have to wake up. Normally, what time they are going to be eating lunch or snack, if they're going to have that at school, um, then to go ahead and set that routine a couple of weeks before school really starts. When they are so mm-hmm. little, and some kids, some kids are, this is a bigger deal for them than others. Um, and I've had both. Some of my kids are really kind of go with the flow. It doesn't matter what time nap time was or meal time, they were fine. But I had, especially my eldest, was very set in his routine. And if he was a little bit tired or a little bit hungry because things were coming a little bit different than happened, he was going to be have a meltdown. So that was something that I always try to do. It's so hard to get him, especially in the summertime, to get to bed early. I just we just fought that battle for <laughs> two weeks, trying right? to get everybody up earlier and to and and to sleep and you know to go go to sleep a little bit earlier just to kind of get get on that school routine. Um, and if they're going to take a nap, find it at, at school, find out when that nap time is, and if you can kind of keep that the same, even you know at the beginning, even on the weekends, if you can kind of try to keep that schedule as right. much as possible. If if life if life is able to do that, if you have one child at home, it might be easier. By the time I now that I have four, <laughs> everybody kind of has to go with the flow on what everybody's schedule is. We kind of have to, but but as much as you can, try to try to set up that eating and sleeping routine just so that that's going to be easier. Um, they're going to be able to, to get up easier, and they're not going to be tired and grumpy. Um, and one less thing to kind of cause them to feel a little uneasy if, if they fall right. asleep and they're used to waking up. Um, and then I always recommend, um, you know, getting everything ready the night before so that you are – I mean, I'm if I start to run late, then I start to get stressed, and that stress is going to, you know, bleed off, off into everybody, so everybody will end up having a meltdown before we head out the yeah. door. Um, not that ever happens in my house, but I've heard. <laughs> but so I always recommend setting everything out so that, and you know, you hate to start searching for your the shoes that you thought were where they were supposed to be, and it's time to be walking out the door to put shoes on, and you can't figure out where they have gone. So trying to just have everything ready so that, and especially on the first day, because you want that to go smoothly. Um, but but like I said, I try to do that as, as, as throughout the school year so that we um, have a little bit it's easier time getting out the door and it's not too not too stressful when we start our day out on a good foot. Um, and then I think being prepared is always uh, being prepared. That's good advice for everybody every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it's when you have, especially when this is a new routine, when it's going to be new for you, new for your child. And a lot of times by this time, moms have already decided the whole, should I get ready first or should I get him ready first? You know, usually moms kind of conquer that in their first year. 
But I've heard moms talk about that a lot lately, like, you know, I didn't really prepare that I needed to be ready, too, because I can't just, you know, what if I have to go in the school and, you know, work all those mm-hmm. things out in your mind <laughs> before mm-hmm. the first day so that you are good and prepared. And so, like you said, Kelly, the mom doesn't get bent out of shape because then everybody loses it and you're all a crying mess before you even get out the door. So yes. I think that's and, you know, and I advice. Have, yeah. Look, I have found it's better for me to get up early and 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 take a shower. So if I can at least get my shower <laughs> done before I wake everybody else up and I wake people up in shifts so that they're not, you know, getting in each other's way. And it is it's trying it's it's um it's kind of like a military operation sometimes, especially when you have um, several children getting ready and doing different things. So, but just to try to think through those routines in the morning to make it go smoothly and know that you probably are going to have to change and figure new things out. Like, okay, that's not working. Let's refigure and see what's going to, what's going to work better for us and know that those changes will probably have to happen. And after the first few weeks of school, you kind of can, can get it down to a science and 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 of course there's going to be those mornings that things don't go well but you know I don't put on a smile and give everybody a be happy when you drive them out. I know I do think it's worth mentioning though to change the routine if something's not working if you have a child Mm -hmm. who every morning is super hard to wake up or super cranky or, you know, doesn't get enough of, you know, can't watch his whole show, you know, whatever your routine has been before now, you know, you do need to make those little adjustments to make things go better. I have one child, and again, my kids are so old now, I probably should quit talking about their childhoods. I certainly think they probably think I should. But, you know, it is just funny, the temperaments that play into this, too, and our oldest son always needed to be up first because he needed more time to kind of pull himself together, and he's kind of Mm -hmm. in slow-mo, and I needed to respect that. I couldn't really wake him up and expect that we were going to be out the door in 20 minutes or 30 minutes. He is not wired that way. Even, you know, in college, he has to really keep himself pretty regulated with having his time in the morning, you know, now he's not, you know, having cereal and watching a show, but he's, you know, having his coffee in the morning and, you know, looking at his Twitter and, you know, he's got all those things that he has to do. And our toddlers are kind of that way too. So you have to build that, excuse me, build those little personality quirks in too. Our second son is the 10 minute kind of kid you know you could really get him up and he's standing by the door in 10 minutes like you said we were leaving come on Mm -hmm. you know so again he can't get up that early he could he could wait later and still be ready and still be organized and still be okay but our first son could have never done that and so you have to kind of take into account those kinds of things when you're planning your routine too (laughs) excuse me my fall allergies have already started I'm sorry, it's always go ahead. funny when you tell me stories. It's always funny when you tell me stories about your firstborn because he is um, usually um, it, it falls right along in with exactly how my firstborn is too. We have lots of similarities. That is what he is. We have to get him up first, and it just takes him a lot longer. He's always the last one in the car. First one up, but right. the last one in the car. And we're all saying, "We're out the door. Everybody's in the car." And we usually are all sitting there, and he comes running out at the last. It's just, it's just him. <laughs> it's just how the way they're they are. Wired, how they're wired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you have to kind of know that. 
And if you know that your child, if whatever he has to do in the morning, you know, if he's, I've heard moms say, you know, I hate that he thinks he's going to have a little bit of playtime in the morning. We do not have time for that. You know, and I would say, well, then maybe you're going to have to get up 30 minutes earlier so he can play with his Legos or so he can, mm-hmm. you know, whatever he needs to do. Some of us just need that so that we can yeah. kind of get our day started right. And that happens, you know, it's the same even with toddlers and preschoolers. So we have to think about that when we're and training some, that some routine. So, <coughs> yeah, some kids are just so set in their routine, too, that it, mm-hmm. it's it's okay if you change the routine, but just know that that's, it's going to be a battle for, a, a, you know, several days for a week or two. <laughs> and that we know now, okay, now you're in school. We don't play before school. We play after school. And we and you have to, you can kind of, once you get them, and that's how my oldest is, too. Once I get him in a routine, then it's set, right. and we can go along, and it, and it makes it easier. So just know that they're, you know, it will be hard to change that routine. But once you do it, you know, they, they understand, and they'll, You'll, they'll be fine with it, but it's just setting that routine because that's just so important. That's really important to them. Yeah, so, it is. All right, <laughs> give us some tips for the very first day. Oh, goodness. So you're all ready. No one, everybody's prepared. Um, and then there, you know, the final goodbye is what is so hard. And, you know, you kind of, parents are wanting to kind of hang out. What I always suggest is it's, it's, quick and, and sweet, um, but and don't linger because that, and don't, if you start to cry or if you start to be anxious, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to think, oh my goodness, mom's upset. I think I better be upset. And if she's upset, I don't think I want to stay here if she's upset about yeah. leaving me here. So, you know, you can have a short and sweet goodbye. You know, have a fun day. Um, I'm so proud of you. And give a big kiss and say, I'll be back soon. Bye-bye. And you walk out. Um, And you can, I think, having sweet little routines that is the same exact way that you say goodbye every time. You can do high fives, you know, anything that is kind of a a fun routine that you're going to do every single single time that you leave them at school is just a fun little thing to do, and it's going to help with that transition. Um, And if they cry, they will cry. Let's talk about that routine a little bit first. Let's give moms and dads some ideas. Um, my oldest, our boys would have been mortified had I done the same little goodbye routine that I did with our daughter. And so you have to adjust per kid, and sometimes you have to adjust per age. With Macy, and I've already said she had a lot of um, issues when she was younger, say at two, but then by the time she was three and four, we had this little routine where, and it's originally from The Kissing Hand, which is a sweet little book if you've never read that. Uh, but I wear lipstick. You know, I'm from the South, and almost every day of my life, I don't leave my house until I've got my lipstick on. But I would kiss her little hand, and I would say, there's Mommy's kissy. You're going to see Mommy before the kissy is gone. And she felt so reassured by that. And as long as I remembered to get that red lipstick on and kiss her hand, she was fine. And it really made a huge difference in how she was able to adjust and our teachers would tell, and again, this would be whether she's at church or at preschool or at a friend's house or whatever, they would see her looking at her little hand, and it was just Aww. reassuring to her that she could mm-hmm. kind of get through the day. And it, and I always made a big deal about mommy will be back before that kissy is gone. And she, 
again, that works really well for her. Had I done that for Jonathan or Tyler, they would have been trying to get that lipstick off before I was even in the car. That would not have worked for them at all. So you do just have to kind of come up with little things. I've seen parents, like you said, do a high five or do a hug, <laughs> excuse me, or, you know, just say something funny or, you know, whatever you want to do. But the familiarity of doing the same little goodbye routine all the time really can help kids get over that anxiousness for that transition. And we tried to help moms and dads when we were doing play groups come up with some of that stuff. And sometimes it's a little trial and error that you kind of have to do. And like you said, it needs to be short and sweet. It does not need to be a 30, you know, minute story. Or, you know, a two-minute song where all the children are looking at you like, what is this crazy woman doing? Just something really quick that you can do every single time so that the child expects it, looks forward to it, and then they kind of know you're turning them around and letting them go with a big see ya so that mm-hmm. you can separate and be okay. A lot of times it is the moms who make that transition worse. And we certainly had that at playgroup where we had some moms that just wanted to stay and stay and stay. And sometimes it wasn't really the kid, it was the mom. So you have to be really Mm -hmm. kind of check that and make sure that you're not aggravating that whole situation. We had some children that were, that were met, became medically kind of an issue. Remember that little girl that threw up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so we do have some children that do get so um, dysregulated <laughs> mm-hmm. that there are some physical kinds of uh, symptoms that happen. But just, I mean, I hope I'm not creating more alarm <laughs> with moms that are thinking, I never even thought of that. <laughs> you would know if that were going to be an issue with your child. But when you see those kinds of things happening, you need to have a really good plan in place with the teacher yes, and with exactly. the staff yeah, at the school. Yes. Now, Kelly, you were a teacher, too, like in a, a big kid's school. Did you have mm-hmm. some of those situations or some of those things? What, what are some of the things that, that you recommended or, or some you know, advice when I taught, to give the parents doing that? Yeah, when I taught preschool, you know, I always, you know, usually once we got the older kids, they we didn't usually have, have that kind of separation right. once they got to be kindergarten, first grade. Right. Um, but the preschoolers, yes, they definitely, I always recommended keep it short and sweet. <laughs> that is the biggest, biggest thing. And then, um, you know, and as a teacher, too, I think that it's important for you to recognize that, you know, this is hard on them. And because sometimes teachers can get so, you know, this is this is just preschool. I've been doing this forever, and it's not that big yeah. a deal. They're going to be fine. But realize for that family, this is a really big deal, um, and um, and so it maybe maybe it is maybe including the teacher in the routine if the child's having a little bit of trouble, yeah. um, and saying you know if they can hold the teacher's hand or something like that, um, just to help to make that transition that switch off from mommy to teacher go a little bit a little bit smoother, um, and mm-hmm. for. You know, there are to be clear expectations of what the child is to do because um, you know, sometimes I've gone into daycares and the parents have dropped them off and the teachers say hi, but then there's really no, come on in, Let's. this is what we're doing now. The, the child's just kind of standing there. Um, so right. to, 
for them to have really clear expectations. And then the, and the parent could even, you know, even if it's, if it's not clear what the teacher is wanting them yeah. to do next, whether it's to go play with toys, if it's to sit at the table and color, you know, whether it's to go look at books, whatever it is that they are expected to do or the choices that they have to play. You know, the mom can say, oh, Mrs. So-and-so, um, what should Honey do today? You know, what what is, what are his choices? What can he do? So that you can kind of maybe get him involved in an activity and let him know what's going to happen next. Mommy's going to go bye-bye, and you can play with blocks, you know, so that, that kind of, and I think that helps a whole lot, knowing what's going to happen next. So mommy's going to go bye-bye, then you get to play blocks. And usually there is a routine every morning with a child of what they what right. in the classroom, what's going to happen. So as a parent, knowing what that routine is, being able to, you know, you could tell them in the car, oh, we're going to get to school, we're going to yeah. walk into the door, we're, mommy's going to say goodbye, and then you're going to do this. You're going to go look at books if you know that that's what, you know, that that is their routine. Um, maybe if the child gets to choose, which are, what are you going to choose today? What are you going to choose to play with right. today to get there? Um, and and so you can kind of in, include that in, in your little goodbye. So then you tell them goodbye, give them the kiss, have fun, go play blocks, and then you're gone. Yeah. So that's yeah. some some as a as a, as a uh, preschool teacher too. If there was a child that had a really difficult time separating, I always tried to call the parents in you know thirty minutes or so or an hour and say just wanted to let you know they calm down. They cried for about forty five seconds until you were out the door, right. and then they were fine. <laughs> because usually that's what's happened. They cry just enough to make you feel like the worst parent ever, uh, and then they are just fine. <laughs> It's just right. enough to get the mommy guilt really going, but then yeah. they go and they play and they get involved and they're perfectly happy. So that's, that's usually what happens. It is, and I do like your advice to resist the urge to run back in because yes. that really, I mean, oh, that can, and I know it's hard as a mom to do that. And you think, well, you're, you, you know, you, you feel almost mad at the teacher who's saying, really, we just need you to go. You know, when you feel like, I can't, I've got to come back in. But sometimes children will know, okay, if I make a big enough fuss, she's not going to leave yet. And we did have that happen with some kids in playgroup who would, Mm -hmm. and again, these were extreme situations. These were not, this was not the norm at all. And Laura and Kelly were darn fine. It was fun to be with us there, but at the same time, we had some children who did have some some trouble separating. And when moms would, would come back. At the first little hint of a whimper, it did always prolong the crying versus when they mm-hmm. just did their little routine and got out of there. And so yeah. it's hard to do, but as a mom, it is, you know, really you kind of set the expectation that if you come back on the first five days that they cry, guess what? You're still going to be looking at crying at week eight and week 10 and week mm-hmm. 12. Yeah. So that what is really I did, good advice. Yeah, and what I did, I um, in in I have one little girl. Actually, I think you saw her for speech, and she came to my um, my little private um, preschool that I did, and she had a really hard time with with separating. 
So we did just the typical, you know, normal quick and sweet goodbyes, and she would leave, mom would leave, and it was hard for her to leave, but the little girl would cry. Um, And so I would do all of my tricks. I would do all of the things that I knew she liked, all of the things that I knew. You know, I didn't, that was my goal, was just to get her to calm down when she was there. I didn't really care about circle time or anything else that she, you know, what she was doing. My only goal was for her to be able to calm enough to be able to participate. And so we would go outside earlier than we normally did because I knew that that was something that would um, calm her down and that she enjoyed. And then, so right. then I would call mom after, you know, if I, I would send her, usually I'd get her to calm down and then she'd start up again and get her to calm down. And then when it got to a point that I was like, okay, she's had enough. This is too much on her, on her, I would call mom. Mom would just drive around in circles near <laughs> my yeah. home where I had yeah. my preschool. Yeah. And then she would, and I would give her the call and she would come back. And so, you know, first it was maybe 15 minutes and then it was maybe a little bit longer than that. And then it was an hour. Right. And before too long, she was staying the entire time, and she was having fun, and she was interacting, and things were went well. So that was just – and because it was um, a different type of situation, her um, separation anxiety was, um, was more than what is typical – that you see in typical kids. So, so we kind of had to make a plan, just like you said. You have to make a plan when something is – when the, all the normal separation tips don't quite cut it in the in their – response is a little more extreme, then you kind of have to work with the teacher to get a really good plan in place and then um, and then try to just hope that could be your goal, not to make new friends, not to sing right. a song or do an art project. The, the goal just is for them to be able to be in the classroom and not cry. So, and, and then after that, is that goal is met, then you can move on to hopefully um, doing some more things in the, in the classroom. Yeah, and I do think it's really important to work closely with the teacher with that. And and but wait until you see that there's a real problem before mm-hmm. you kind of go overboard with oh we're going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you know we're going to do this because we did have some kids come to play group that their parents anticipated that the transition would be horrible, and really they were okay with mm-hmm. just a few minutes of being a little bit upset, and they would get right into what we were doing, and they would be fine. But I do think it is important to address that if there is a serious problem, don't let it get so out of control before you really have a powwow with the teacher so that you guys can work out a reasonable solution. But, Kelly, not every yeah. preschool teacher is as wonderful as you. <laughs> and you <laughs> had that gift of you know being accommodating and kind of knowing what was going to work, um, and knowing mm-hmm. when to call mom and say, okay, she's had it, let's just call it a day. And yeah. sometimes yeah. schools you know, aren't as accommodating. Yeah, there are, and, and, you know, and some schools just don't have that, or, you know, they can't go outside whenever they want because right. there's a set schedule because there's several classes that have to share the playground, and that's no, just not an option. Um, so, but hopefully working with the, the school and the administration and, you know, everything, trying to say, okay, what can we do to help make this, this go? I know that in my child's, um, my fourth, he had a hard time in Mother's Day Out. He was just a little over a year old when he started Mother's Day Out, and he just, he kind of talked 
celebrated Mother's Day out that year. Um, and he had, and I know that not not specifically for him, but for all of the toddlers that transition, the director would be in there, um, you know, walking the toddlers and holding them and getting them, you know, and they purposely had additional people in the room, especially during meal times, until they got into the routine. So if, you know, if that's yeah. an option in, in in your school, then, you know, just to have an extra person on hand, um, if possible, just to kind of help with that, especially that first week or two. Um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's hard for everybody. It's hard for, yeah, and it's hard for the teachers, too, and I think that's one thing as parents that we always need to kind of remember. The teacher wants it to go beautifully. The teacher wants your child to have a great experience and to love school. And so sometimes we can't go in being all guns blazing with, you know, he doesn't seem to like it. What are you going to do differently? You know, sometimes you you can't really be like that when we're saying let's get Mm -hmm. a plan or let's make some accommodations or you know, I can see a mom thinking, well, I'm just going to go tell them they need to have more staff, that the director needs to get down here right now in this room yeah. and make sure, <laughs> you know, not, you can't always work that out. But you yeah. can try and you need to, again, look at it from that teacher's perspective. She does not want your child to be upset any more than you do. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to want to work together to find a reasonable, rational, workable um, solution so that you all can have a successful year. And and you have to trust that they know what they're doing too because they have this your child crying will not have been the very first time that they have experienced a child with separation anxiety. They have done this over and over again. Um, and, you know, you can even ask them, say, okay, have you ever had any other kids that are like this? What did you do? What finally worked? Ask their advice. See if they have some, some ideas that they, have, that they have used in the past. Um, and they may be able to come up with lots of different ideas that's going to work with in in their school because they've been there and they know you know the routine and the expectations and all of that kind of thing. So to, to ask their their opinion and you and ask them how long did they cry? You know, so because yeah. sometimes you leave and you don't know, um, and and they. They may say, "Oh, golly! By the time you're you were pulling out of the parking lot, they were over here playing." And then that can just kind of ease your anxiety as a parent too to let them. Okay, they 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 were okay. They didn't cry all day long. Yeah, and let me just kind of interject for those of us parents who have had children who have again really fragile sensory systems. They are easily upset. They are kind of they're set off, you know, by certain things or let's just kind of say at home it doesn't always go so well for three hours either. So you kind Mm -hmm. of have to have that expectation too. If you have a kid who's, again, dysregulated or even if you're not even thinking about it like that, you just think he is easily upset or she is cranky a lot. Guess what? School is going to kind of be that way too. And it may be... (laughs) better than you expect but at the beginning it may it may be hard and it may be hard Mm -hmm. for your child and it may be hard for the teacher and again sometimes parents I've kind of had that happen before too where you know I'll be talking to a parent about how preschool is going and they'll say oh it's just not going very well and and I'll have to say well you know even the hour that I've seen your child now it's not all sunshine and roses that hour either you know we still Mm -hmm. have a fair number of meltdowns He's still really struggling with some things. He doesn't 
you know, he, he wants to do his own thing so much that it's kind of hard for him when I'm not really following his lead and we're not doing, you know, doing exactly what he wants to do. So I could expect that school might be really hard at the beginning. So we kind of have to prepare ourselves, too, as parents mm-hmm. of children that we know have had some learning issues and some sensory, again, sensory processing differences that school may not be great that first few weeks. And that's okay. You just have to know that that's going to happen and kind of grin and bear it until Mm -hmm. things get better. Yeah, and I think communicating with... Yeah, and communicating with the teacher to know that to let them know that they have some some sensory if, if the teacher is aware you know and understanding what sensory processing issues are and let them know right. well this is what's calming you know if you can just give him some right. big bear hug that he just craves that, that that's calming for him or if he can you know drink out of his sippy cup uh, when he gets really upset that's going to be that's calming to him um, so and or if it's you know, if he's really upset, he really hates to be touched. If you try to put him in your lap or anything, that's just going to make it much, much worse because some children right. are like that. So just to, right. just to kind of give them a few little tips to say, you know, this is how he's different from some some other kids. So instead yeah. of, you know, maybe giving just a few. Now, I don't think I would, you know, type out a huge four-page letter. No. <laughs> Well, you know what? This is one of the things we do at home when he acts like that or when he gets a little upset. This is what we do, and just to have that good communication with the teacher. Um, and then, you know, and definitely ask her opinion, too. Look, did you notice that he, you know, was able to calm down and, you know, or enjoys, you know, certain things um, more than others, just to kind of ask her the, the teacher's opinion, too. Right, and and whether you're on either side of that, whether you're the teacher or the parent, you have to try not to get defensive about it, too, because it's hard as a mom to, you know, you kind of think, oh, they could be doing a better job at school and helping him. This is hard for him. This is the first time he's ever been anywhere. You know, you, you get your feelings hard on behalf of your child, and so we need to mm-hmm. try not to do that. And the same thing when you're on the other side, if you're a therapist or a teacher in that situation and you're having a parent that you feel like, you know, is, Overreacting a little bit, it's hard not to be defensive, and so. But we have to remember where the other person's position and where they're coming from on that. And like you said, really communicate and seek out their advice, and come together for a solution because everybody wants the kid to have a good day. Everybody yeah, does. Exactly. That is the outcome that everybody wants. Yeah. Definitely. All right. I love your last little your last little tidbit. I think we have about one minute left, Kelly, and I and I have enjoyed Facebook so much and Twitter on seeing all of the back to school pictures that parents post on that first day. And if that's not your tradition, you're going to really regret it. So start soon in the first day of every school year, take a picture, and you have a really cute way that you do it with your kids. You know, I just type up a little thing that says the first grade, uh, first day of preschool or kindergarten or sixth grade, whatever, where, whatever year that they are, and put the year on it so um, I will remember. And so, and, and just take a picture of them with them holding that. I've seen people do fingers, you know, once their child is in first grade yeah. or second grade, hold up fingers yeah. or, uh, or just handwrite it. 
tepid, you know, I've seen lots of cute ideas, but just to hold up that piece of paper so that you know the year and the and what they were, where they were going to school, and, and, and it's fun. It is fun to look back at those and see how your kids have grown year after year. And yeah. you will forget it. You'll think, I'm always going to remember what she wore to the first day of first grade. Let me tell you, you get more than one kid and you get 15, 20 years down the road. You do not remember if it's second grade or third grade or whatever. You just don't. You have to exactly. have that record there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, well, Kelly, thank you so much for doing this bonus podcast with me today. And I know that we're going to have listeners who benefited from your tips. And again, check out Kelly's Facebook page if you haven't playing is learning, colon, Kelly Nelson. Oh, thanks so much, Laura. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.